Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens and I serve as the pastor here and I'm delighted that you've decided to join us for worship, whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, it is Today is the day that the Lord has made and we are here to rejoice and be glad in it. There is an online bulletin that is available for you. You can find it through the links uh, in the video description. That bulletin will contain our scripture, prayers, hymn, all that sort of information. If it's helpful for you, feel free to open that up. It can help guide you through the service. Uh, and with that, there are a few announcements I want to make. The first is we just finished a sermon series on That's Not in the Bible. And today we're starting a six-week sermon series on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. That is Philippians. Uh, so we're going to be looking at every part of Philippians over the next six weeks to do the entire letter. Uh, it's something I encourage people to read ahead of time, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the service. Uh, but we're going to be spending some intensive time in a very short book to see what we can glean from Scripture about who we are and about whose we are. There are a number of other announcements I want to share, uh, the first being that if you want to connect more with the church, you can do so through our Facebook page. We have devotionals we're sending out every week, live videos that we're putting together. Uh, you can also find out more about us through our website. All that sort of information is there for you, and you can find out more about who we are and what we're doing. I want to share a, a brief story. Uh, one of the thing, uh, things I like to do as a pastor is ask a lot of questions because oftentimes people come to me with their questions, sort of looking for answers. And so I like to sort of turn around as much as I can and ask people questions. I host a couple different podcasts, theological podcasts, and on one of them I love to ask guests, uh, tell me about the last good book you read or tell me about the last good show or movie you watched because people get to share a little bit about something that interests them and so on and so forth. One of my other questions I like to ask a lot is, when was the last time you felt joy? I guess I kind of feel like the world, particularly now, feels so negative all the time. If you watch the news, it focuses on what's wrong rather than what's right, all that sort of stuff. So I like to ask people, uh, when was the last time you felt joy? And you can just see people, their whole dispositions change when you ask that question because then they start to think about something that made them happy, you know, maybe lifted up their spirits. And uh, last Sunday afternoon, we had a drive-in service of Warden Sacrament here in our parking lot where I stood on top of a picnic table with a PA system, and I, I preached to about 18 cars full of people, and we had uh, Holy Communion together. And afterwards, as people were leaving with their masks on, I, I was talking a few, to a few people, and one of them, as they were driving out, I said, tell me, tell me about the last time you felt joy. And I'm not going to say who the person is, but she looked at me through her car, and she said, right here in this church parking lot for worship today. And I said, oh, so I'm so, I'm so glad that my sermon made you so joyful. And she said, uh, no, not your sermon, though it was fine. She said, it was just such a joy to worship with God's people again. And it's true. It was a wonderful occasion for us to get together, but this is also worshiping with God's people. Though we cannot see each other like we could in the parking lot, we, we are worshiping together in these strange ways in these strange times. So I hope um, that you've been able to find joy, whether it's through worship or otherwise during this time. Um, and if you've got the time, tell me about it. Send me an email. Send me a message on Facebook. Tweet at me. I don't care how you do it. I want to hear about the last time you felt joy and what that was like. Because there's a reason we're talking about joy, because Paul talks about joy. So there's my segue, friends. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Let's just have a time of silence, maybe perhaps bow your head, close your eyes. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for the joy that comes with the worship of God.
Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, you know who we are, people with good and bad consciences, satisfied and dissatisfied, sure, unsure people, Christians out of conviction, Christians out of habit, believers, half-believers, and unbelievers. But now we're all before you. In all of our inequality, we're equal in this, that we are in the wrong before you and against each other, and that we all must rely on your grace, for we would be lost without it. So, Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. And now, Lord, each of us will lift up to you our own joys and concerns in prayer, whether spoken or in silence today. And now let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said before, our scripture reading today comes from Philippians. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. This is Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Now hear God's word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from that first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may become pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 368, My Hope is Built. My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them on the online bulletin. But now let us join our voices together and sing hymn number 368, My Hope is Built.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. You know, the work of the church, that is the body of the Christ, it never takes place in a vacuum. It was and always will be rooted in community that exists for the sake of the broader community. On January 30th, 1933, Hitler was the democratically elected chancellor of Germany, and he began the Third Reich. Germany, you know, the land that had produced the likes of Bach and Goethe and Dürer, was now being led by a man who consorted with criminals and was often seen carrying around a dog whip in public. Hitler's words and his orations, they largely incited violence regularly from his crowds, and Germany from that day forward would, would never be the same. And two days after Hitler was elected, a 26-year-old theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke on the radio to all of Germany. He gave a speech, and the title of that speech was The Younger Generation's Altered Concept of Leadership. I mean, the talk itself was highly philosophical, but it also specifically argued against the type of leadership that Hitler would use over the following 12 years, inevitably leading a nation and half the world into a nightmare of violence and misery. However, before Bonhoeffer could finish giving his radio address, the signal was cut off. Only two days after Hitler's election and the Nazis were already suppressing the voice of one who was calling into question the powers and the principalities made manifest in a whole nation. Paul. Paul begins his letter to the church in Philippi with his standard yet completely magnificent greeting, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Words, admittedly, that people like me throw around all the time, but these words, they contain multitudes. To begin with grace, man, that's a recognition that grace is Christ's presence for all of us and that that grace is a gift. It is God's contradiction of sin and death. It is God's contending against the powers and the principalities of this life for grace is the opposite of how the world works. Grace is unmerited, unearned favor. It stands in contradiction with the people who live by merit and favor, by power and violence. The world will always say, do this and do that, but grace always says, it's already done. You know, the cross of Christ hanging empty in the sky, it's this stark declaration and reminder that God stands against evil, stands against sin, stands against death. It is the cross that is problematic language notwithstanding, it's God's war on our behalf. You know, grace invades into existence, not because we believed in God just enough or because we said the right prayers or we did the right works, but simply because God is merciful and grace never stops. I mean, grace here marks the beginning of Paul's letter. It is the thread that runs through all of his correspondence. It's the foundation upon which the church stands. Grace, it exists to deliver us from sin and death, it comes, that is, to deliver we, sinners, from what we really deserve. And we really, I mean, we really don't deserve God's grace. All of us are highly susceptible to the powers and principalities of this life, the myriad ways that sin sinks us lower and lower into the pits of our own making. We all do things we know we shouldn't. We all avoid doing things we know we should. 
One need only scroll through the likes of Twitter or Facebook for five minutes to be bombarded with the total depravity of humanity. But grace still comes. It comes to bring mercy and life instead of condemnation and death. That's why grace is always so unsettling, always new. It is completely contrary to just about everything else in this life. It's according to the ways of the world. Grace doesn't make sense. And it's with grace that Paul begins his letter. Grace, that is, and peace. Now, peace is a very challenging word for the church because we can define it in all sorts of ways. I mean, is peace simply the absence of conflict? Is peace possible only when the world lays down its arms? For Paul, peace means living in conflict with the world, even as peace with the world means conflict with God. Living in the light of God's grace and peace will bring those who follow the Lord into contention with all that the world stands for. No, peace is not just sitting idly by hoping for the best. It's not singing kumbaya by the, fi- by the fire. It's not a Coca-Cola advertisement. The peace of God contains the wisdom to change what can be changed while refusing to accept that things cannot be changed, contrary to the so-called serenity prayer. You know, God's grace and peace, it puts forth this radical retelling of the cosmos, and God's grace and peace, they cannot be stopped, no matter what. Things got really difficult for the young Dietrich Bonhoeffer after he made that first radio address. As Germany further descended into Fuhrer worship instead of, you know, the worship of God, the German church emphasizing the politics of a nation over and against the the theology of scripture, Bonhoeffer, he struggled with what it meant to be faithful to the Lord. Eventually, he started training other young pastors through an underground seminary where the chief message was to remain faithful to God, even if it meant being at odds with your country. By 1940, Bonhoeffer, because of his work, because of his words, was forbidden from speaking publicly, and he had to regularly report his movements and activities to the police. Within a year, he was no longer allowed to print or publish any of his writings, And on April 5th, 1943, 10 years after his first radio address, Bonhoeffer was arrested by the Gestapo for his continued anti-Nazi remarks and for his involvement with the obvious plot to undermine Hitler. So for two years, he sat in prison. And strangely enough, some sympathetic guards would smuggle out his letters and papers that included his theological reflections in the midst of his imprisonment. Now, one might expect that Bonhoeffer would maybe question his faith while behind bars or recant from his previous beliefs if it would mean that he could be released. But most of his letters, though excluding the occasional complaint about his conditions, they contain his thoughts on the joy of discipleship, even with its costs. You know, he wrote from shackles to a people immersed in the Second World War, and he wrote about God's unending grace, even while the world stood in contradiction. Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, beginning with grace and peace, he reveals within the very first part of the letter the condition of his own condition. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul writes, 
from behind bars. He writes of joy from his own joyless location to a people who apparently felt no joy. And throughout the rest of the letter, there are signs of the anxiety from the Philippians. They suffered for their convictions, whether it meant Roman persecution or social hostility. And yet Paul points to them the joy of the gospel in spite of whatever their hardships might be. Now notice, he does not do so as a denial of their present circumstances, not as a prosperity gospel in which things will just get better if you work harder. No, Paul writes about joy because as disciples, they know God. It's as if Paul is saying, look, I know it's rough, but if all you ever do is look at your own failures or the failures of those around you, that's all you will ever see. But here's the good news, the very best news. No matter how bad your sins might be, no matter how trying your circumstances might be, God is greater than your sins and God is greater than your suffering. So don't put your hope, don't put your trust in yourselves or the people around you. I mean, they might make some changes, but in the end, God is always greater. Despite all of our failures, all of our weaknesses, despite all of our disappointments, God has already changed the world. Everything else is sinking sand. Bonhoeffer, he remained hopeful for two years that the Second World War would end, that he would eventually be released, but... He was condemned to death in April of 1945. He was killed by hanging just two weeks before the U.S. military liberated the camp where he was being held. And shortly before his execution, Bonhoeffer concluded a worship service for all of his fellow inmates. And then he walked toward the waiting noose and he said to a fellow prisoner, This is the end, but for me, it's the beginning of life. Bonhoeffer and Paul, they had joy in the midst of their own respective incarcerations, and it's instructive for those of us who want to follow Christ today. Because whether in prison or in a courtroom, whether in chains or in freedom, they both strive to do one thing above all else, share the good news. Because the good news is that another one bound by shackles, God in the flesh, ridiculed, betrayed, abandoned, marched to his own execution while carrying the instrument of death on his shoulder. He hung from the cross for the world to see, and yet as he looked out on the world, he proclaimed forgiveness for a people undeserving. Jesus' earthly life ended as it began by, with, and through grace. Grace is a joy, and it will forever stand as God's defiant. Nevertheless, to the powers and the principalities in this world, God's grace cannot be stopped. The only thing we have to do is take Jesus at his word, is trust him. And when we do that, when we put our trust in Jesus instead of ourselves, instead of all of our schemes or the schemes of the world, then we are living in his grace And no matter what happens in the course of that trusting, no matter how many waverings we have, no matter how many times we fail, if we believe that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, by his work, has made it all right, then all we have to do is say thanks and rest. Because if it were up to us, we would fail. All we have to show for ourselves is not that much to begin with. And contrary to how we would run the show, Jesus chooses not to condemn us whether our works are bad or good. Jesus, after all, is our grace. 
What could be more joyful than that? So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, your magnificent glory compels our attention, gives us hearts that jump within us the good news of your salvation for us, the ungodly for whom your Son died. However, Lord, we confess amidst the tedium of the everyday, our worship of you sometimes feels like a job, just one more thing to do. Thank you then for unsettling our lives through which we discover the splendor of the kingdom made possible by your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray today that you would forever unsettle our attempts to domesticate the wildness of your love, even for people like us. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together, God has proclaimed God's word, and we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our talents, but also with our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to the ministries and the missions of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can do so by donating online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You can write a check and send it through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can bring your offering to the church. We have a drop slot by the main office doors. But give, give with glad and generous hearts that Cokesbury might continue to share the good news, just as Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, just as Paul did with all who might hear it, that God loves us and there ain't nothing we can do about it. Another way we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith. And we like to do that here with the Apostles' Creed. So I encourage you to join me in affirming your faith. If you need to find the words, you can find it in the online bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, throughout our period of not having in-person worship, I've also imagined and thought about other ways that we can respond to what God has said in the time between Sundays. And this week, I'm thinking a lot about having scripturally shaped imaginations. The more time that we spend in scripture, the more it shapes our own imaginations. Therefore, we're encouraging everyone this week to read through Paul's letter to the Philippians from the beginning to the end. It's not very long. Now, if you don't have a Bible, or if you don't have the, the Constitution to sit down and read through it from beginning to end, I've already recorded a video of myself reading the whole letter aloud. You can find it on our Facebook page. You can find it on YouTube. So the hope is that whether you're watching me or listening to me read it aloud, or you take the time to sit down and read it to yourselves, that all of us get to spend some time with the themes of Philippians and therefore the gospel as a whole, and that we might begin to seep or have it seep into our own imaginations and start to reshape the way we understand ourselves and the world. Because as I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to be spending the next five weeks, at least now, on the book of Philippians, and it's helpful for us to spend as much time in the word as we can. So with that, I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see and know and believe that the good news is good. 
It's all grace from the beginning to the end. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to seeing you next week, same time, same place. Go in peace and be well.